Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. I could just listen to it all day. I love this song so much. We sure can. Yeah, you're you're, you're there with me, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show as we head into hour two. Mr. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Bill tells me I sent an email to Dennis Prager today that he read on air. You can clip it and we'll play it maybe, huh? Embarrassing on my part that I didn't hear it. I usually do hear the Dennis Prager show. Why didn't I hear it? Why wasn't I listening today? I, oh, I was caught up on some conference calls. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was in a conference call when that happened. Yeah, okay. Um, one of the. It's a busy time of year for politics. I've just been... Speaking of, um, I had a piece in town hall today on uh, Republicans in Arizona and lessons from Barry Goldwater vis-a-vis Carrie Lake's candidacy and uh, lessons that I think should be um, taught nationally as well as learned here, specifically since they come from Barry Goldwater, about Republicans who cannot see themselves for whatever reasons uh, to um, to get behind uh, the Republican candidate for Senate in this state. Uh, so you can get that at Town Hall. You can get it uh, on Twitter or anywhere else, but... Uh, was a delight to have that um, have that published. Uh, okay, let me do this. Rich in Scottsdale. Hi, Rich. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call. Love your show. Thank Keep you. doing what you do. Thanks. Uh, two quick points. Well, first one's not going to be that quick. Uh-huh. Using rape as a weapon of war, it's, it's so beyond what I could fathom any human could do to another human. Um, it, it stems from Hamas, the Palestinians, the Arab world, teaching hate to their children. There's generations of kids that just hate Israelis, hate the uh, Jews. It's, it's so ridiculous that the UN and all the other countries in the world give money to these people, and all they do is breed hate. This is never going to end. Until we stop giving them money and, and all the people that want to breed hate, kill them all. And the ones that don't want to breed hate, get them somewhere else and get them educated and get them right in the mind. Because it's unbelievable to me that people could do that to other people. Well, part of hate, this. No, I mean, I think I, that, that the, the sentiment of, you know, killing all of the perpetrators here is, I think, a healthy one. Uh, the sentiment of protecting the innocent is, I think, a healthy one. The difficulty... Well, well, hold on a second. Hold on. Bear with. The, the difficulty, the particular difficulty in this war is the inability to discern between the two, given that the enemy in and of itself views their own people as shields, as in weapons of war. This is the problem of fighting a terrorist who has never thought of other human beings as other human beings. You're right that the education system in the territories 
is nothing but hate-filled pedagogy that does take quite literally the teaching that Jews and Christians are monkeys and pigs. They take it quite literally. I mean, we kind of look at this stuff, and we see this stuff, and we've seen it for decade after decade after decade, and we have seen the little kids dressed up with, (coughs) excuse me, suicide vests and rifles and machine guns, and we kind of say, eh, okay. I mean, you know, not how we do it here, but, you know, that's what they do there. It matters, and it has an effect. And when they teach that there are Jews and, excuse me, when they teach that Jews and Christians are monkeys and pigs, they actually mean it. And to the degree that we don't think they do is to the degree to which this kind of thing can happen. You're right. People don't do that to other kinds of people. They teach that the non-believer, the infidel, or the occupier of their land, which is part and parcel of the species of the genus of, of the uh, of of the um, of the uh, of the of the infidel, is less than human. And when someone is less than human, you can do to them what you would do to animals. I, you know, I was I was choking early after October seventh and eighth was coming to light in saying that uh, these people were acting like animals, these uh, terrorists were acting like animals, because they weren't even acting like animals, were they, Rich? Because animals don't treat other animals or humans that way. These were sub-animal. This was sub-animal behavior. Sub-animal behavior. Just evil. We cannot share the earth with them. We cannot. This is Hannah Arendt's concluding point after the Eichmann trial in Jerusalem. We simply cannot share the earth with you. What you have done is so wrong, so unspeakably evil, so below any foundational notion of being able to get along or even understand you, we cannot share the earth with you. We cannot. Either you exist or we exist. We cannot exist together. Coexistence is now an impossibility. Now an impossibility. And that's why it's additionally absurd for people to talk about this two-state solution. Now? Really? That's what you go back to after this? A two-state solution? With which, who? Which With what? Fatah was part of it. it. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and they won't accept a two-state solution. And it's just beyond belief that all the women's groups in this country are not making a statement about Let's name how horrible them. Let's name them. Planned Parenthood has said yep. nothing. National Organization of Women has said nothing. American Association of University of, Female, of Women Professors has said nothing. Emily's List Michelle has Obama, said nothing. Oprah Winfrey, just the list goes on and on. They say nothing. And then the, the last, the other point I wanted to make real quick is the deep state has tried to do so much to Trump. What worries me is that the deep state's going to take make an attempt on his life at some point. I heard this on talk radio earlier today, um, and I don't—look, I don't know uh, enough about that kind of thinking. It's not where my head goes. Here's where my head goes when I hear hear that being brought up, um, Rich. I hear that— when Ilan Omar gets in front of a microphone and talks about the kinds of complaints and negative things that are said about her have put her life at risk, 
Um, I hear when Democrats stand behind a microphone after saying something really stupid and get a lot of heated criticism that their life has been put at risk. Um, I, 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 I wonder if that rule applies to what gets said about Donald Trump. I just wonder if that rule applies. Because I can tell you what is said about them is nowhere near what is said about him. Nowhere near what is said about him. They, they don't get, they don't get a, a tenth of the criticism or the level, the denigratable level of verbiage that is said against him. So I just wonder if that rule applies. It seems not to. It seems not to. It seems that you can have plays in public that people go to see depicting the death of Donald Trump. It seems you can have famous actors and actresses saying they would like to kill Donald Trump or that Donald Trump should be killed. I have never heard that kind of talk from people of fame or in public about any of the people who are the first to complain that because of their points of view, they get death threats. Never heard it. Never heard it. So... When I when I when I hear about, you know, a politician being, you know, subject to assassination, I cringe. I cringe because it's an awful thing to contemplate. And there's been so much and way too much violence already. But I do think the left, which is the first to complain about condemnations and criticisms from the right, has a lot of cleaning up to do. Not on aisle seven, not on aisle eight, not a lot on aisle nine, but their wholesale industry of communication at every supermarket they've created. All right, we'll be right back. See, that's just the kind of thing that is way too common for us. Way too common. Historic? Common. How about way too popular? Common. Do you know why I play this? Common. Way too common. I was thinking of um, the great novelist Walker Percy. Are you familiar with Walker Percy's works? Come on I'm in, Dip Bill. Not sure I do. Uh, come on in if you want. Okay, hold on. He's on my side of the Walker of Percy this was fight. a great novelist, physician. And you know what he said? He said, I hate to find tedious what gives such general satisfaction, but I find it tedious. That's fine. And that's what I want to say about this song. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm we have sorry such too. better, more unique This is stuff. top of the Billboard Top 100. Don't care. As of yesterday. Don't care. You don't care. Don't care. Do you also care that she was 13 years old and she recorded don't it? Don't care. You want talent at 13. Play, play that Wayne Newton stuff I showed you the oh other day. Oh, my goodness. He was playing trumpet. Don't he worry. Was, I've got all three minutes he was in the playing, bag. We can just keep going. He was we can keep having this fight. He was playing banjo. <laughs> that was talent. <laughs> now, Mr. Bill walking around in his sock feet, that's an expression you don't hear anymore. Bill's wearing socks? Yeah. You don't hear that expression anymore, walking around in sock feet. It's for my back. Okay, but it's just a funny expression, walking around in sock feet. He says, did you hear Dennis Prager talking about you this morning on his show? And I said earlier, no, I no, he di- I didn't. I said, what did he say? Um, well, this is what happened. Go ahead, young David. 
talking about fighters, Seth Leibson, wonderful, spectacular talk show host in Phoenix, sent me uh, a an email that he received. Hi, Seth. A couple of weeks ago, I heard Dennis Prager speaking about a mezuzah. I had never heard of it. He wrote an article encouraging non-Jews to place one on their doorpost in support of Jews in Israel. I wanted to share with you. And there's a picture of this lovely woman standing next, non-Jewish woman, Christina, standing next to a mezuzah on her doorpost. It's a little gigant, but gigantic gesture that any non-Jew can now participate in. Put a mezuzah on your doorpost. It's just such a sweet thing. First of all, it was very kind of him to say that. Um, my heart melted. This morning I got this email from a listener, Christina, and she sent me this picture that Dennis describes. She's non-Jewish, and she put up a mezuzah on her doorpost. And Dennis did have a column on this and made a thing of this a while ago. Um, I can say more about it in a minute if you want, but uh, if you ever go to a Jewish person's home, you'll see that there's a little box on the front door just, you know, in the top 20, top fifth of the, of the, of the, of the portico, of the door, doorway, door, door entrance. And inside are, are, are two, um, are, are two scrolls, uh, from Deuteronomy. And it's, um, it's, it's something that Dennis said, you know, you don't have to be Jewish to do this. And it would be a nice thing to, you know, show support for Israel if the non-Jews did it. And so Christina took it to heart. She's a fan of Dennis's, obviously, and evidently, obviously mine as well. And she sent me this picture of her with the mezuzah in front of her door. And you want to see it, Bill? Here, you can see it. And um, right there, see it? And so I, you know, I, you don't want to bother people. You know, busy people are busy, and God knows if there's anyone busier than Dennis Prager, I don't know who that person is, between Prager you and his books and writing and speeches and travel and daily three-hour radio show and everything else he does, weekly column, and then he pops up doing other things, you know, here and there. So, you know, it's someone you don't want to bother, but I just, something told me he'd like this. So I, I said, pardon the interruption. Is, that the old, is there an old sports show called Pardon the Interruption or yes, something like yes, that? Yes, it was. Yeah, Pardon the Interruption. I just thought you would want to see this. And I forwarded Christina's email to him, and uh, I'm glad it touched. Obviously, it touched him. And uh, and uh, anyway, do you have something on anything? I'm glad to see you in the office. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah. yeah mission accomplished. That in was, that was cool. In sock feet. Yes, Yes, like like I like to be comfortable. <laughs> anyway, um, so there you go. Um, you want to hear about the mezuzah a little bit, Dennis Prager? Do you know the story here? It was from his column a few weeks ago. He said, uh, "In my long life, I have never personally experienced anti-Semitism in America. I was raised by Jewish parents who believed that the best place Jews ever lived other than in their own country in the Holy Land was the United States of America. When the most prominent Jew of the 20th century, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, someone Rabbi Elush quotes here a lot, um, came to the United States from East Europe in 1941, he sometime thereafter declared that America was a Medina Shel Chesed, a righteous country. Yes, there's always been individual anti-Semites in America. Yes, 
there have been anti-Semitic policies, quotas on Jews at Harvard, country club barring Jews from membership, law firms closed to Jewish lawyers, among other examples. Young David at this point would interject the movie Gentleman's Agreement, which no doubt he's familiar with. And there have always been Jews who believed American Christians were no different from Europe's. But the fact is, even with the aforementioned flaws, America has always been a blessing to its Jews. It is therefore nothing less than tragic as much for America as for its Jews that for the first time in American history, many American Jews are afraid. They watch the Jew hatred on college campuses, the large demonstrations featuring calls to wipe out Israel, police guarding school children attending Jewish schools, and see armed guards at virtually every synagogue in the country. They worry. So much so that many religious Jewish college students who until very recently wore a kippah with nary a thought now wear a baseball hat or some other head covering that does not identify them as Jews, and some Jews are removing the mezuzah from the doorposts of their homes and apartments. This time, therefore, presents Americans, non-Jews, with an opportunity to do something powerful for the Jews of America, and many would like to. Unlike during the Nazi era, when helping Jews often entailed hiding a Jew and thereby risking one's life and family, helping Jews now can be done with little or no risk. And if many millions of Americans do this, America and the world will be profoundly affected for the good. Americans should put a mezuzah on the doorposts of their homes and apartments. In effect, they will be saying we are all Jews. There are powerful precedents. One took place during World War II in a Nazi prisoner of war camp, as reported by the Army. Quote, sometime in January 1945, German forces instructed all Jewish POWs to report the next morning. Master Sergeant Rodi Edmonds was in charge of the prisoners, which included Jews and non-Jews. He ordered all of his soldiers to stand together when the Jewish prisoners were to report. When the German officer in charge saw that all the camp's inmates were standing in front of their barracks, he turned to Edmonds and said, They cannot all be Jews. We are all Jews, Edmonds replied. The German officer drew his pistol and threatened Edmonds, but Edmonds stood firm and no Jewish soldier was hurt. Another example took place in Billings, Montana in 1993. During Hanukkah that year, a Jew hater tossed a brick through a window displaying a Hanukkah menorah. The home belonged to a Jewish physician and his family. Jews traditionally place Hanukkah menorahs in a window for all the world to see the lights for the eight-day holiday. When word of that happened, spread, the citizens of Billings bought or made replicas of menorahs and placed them in their own shadows. There is a powerful photo representation of, of this showing people of every religion, ethnicity, and race in Billings holding up a menorah photographed through a broken window. I'll come back with a little more on this. We'll be right back. If I'm right, I think I could get behind this. Is this Elton John? Yeah. I could get behind that. Well, What's the name of that one? <laughs> Give us a little more of that. What's the name of that? Step Into Christmas. Never heard it. You've never heard it? Played a minute. Okay. Would that have been late 70s? Early. Early years. Early. Mid, probably mid, mid yeah, 70s. Yeah. I could get behind There's that. fun video. He's on the keyboard. He's playing a grand. Yeah, I was and having... he's got like a kazoo in his mouth. And <laughs> Was it you I was debating Elton John with the other day? Who was I debating Elton John with? It might have been me. We talked about some Elton John music for our uh, non-Christmas bumpers. <laughs> no, no, no. It might have been Steve or someone. I was having... I can't remember what the debate was. Elton John. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Um... Yeah, so Christine, this mutual listener of Dennis and ours, put up a non-Jewish listener, put up a mezuzah, and it's based on Dennis's column about it would be a nice thing to do. 
and he was telling stories of um, when non-Jews have done these things. This is part and parcel of a project I'm working on with Tevi. I guess I can say it. I don't know if it'll materialize or not, but we're working on a written project um, trying to collect a, 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 a number of prominent uh, uh, Jewish uh, American writers, commentators, and figures to write essays of thank you to the non-Jewish community uh, in America that has stood up on behalf of Israel. Uh, we just want to do a kind of collective thank you. Uh, so we're working on that, and we'll try and keep you posted on that if we can. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Dennis puts it, Dennis Prager puts it, the mezuzah is a small box that Jews place on the right doorpost of their home. The commandment to do so is thousands of year old, years old, coming as it does from the Bible in the fifth book of of the Torah in Deuteronomy, it is written, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's where it comes from. That's in Deuteronomy 6. These words are written on parchment, just as the words of the Torah scroll, and they're placed inside the mezuzah, which is the little box. When written by a scribe on parchment, it's considered to be a, um, a kosher mezuzah. However, there is no need for a non-Jew to buy a kosher mezuzah. For considerably less money, one can buy the mezuzah box with nothing inside or with the Hebrew words inside printed on paper rather than handwritten on parchment. Just use the Internet to search on mezuzah. Ideally, once you've done this, take a photo of it with your cell phone and post it on your social media account and let the world know where you stand. What matters is that non-Jews put this distinctive Jewish item on their doorpost. If enough Americans did this, the message of solidarity with Jews would reverberate around the world, that in this time of greater anti-Semitism than any since the Holocaust, we can say we are all Jews. I remember right after 9-11, Bibi Netanyahu said, today we're all Americans. And um, that kind of sentiment that runs between Christians and Jews and between America and Israel is really too deep for words. It, words like that and gestures don't, um, don't really get to it, don't really get to the, the nub of the nub. But um, as Shakespeare put it, so would shine a good deed in a weary world, that act. So would shine a good deed in a weary world. And um, Christine did it, and I thought Dennis would get a certain pleasure out of seeing it. So uh, we we sent it to him, and um, it did warm his heart. Uh, I'm sure thousands, if not more, if not tens of thousands of people have done it per his um, per his writing and per his speaking on it. Boy, what a special man. Bill Maher was talking, interviewing um, Peterson, Jordan Peterson, and was saying, you know, when you got sick, you were you were really sick. You were out, and I thought, Bill Maher said, and I thought, oh, we can't afford to lose him. You know, I hope he makes it. There's there's only a handful, and um, yeah, Jordan Peterson is in that handful. Handful. So too is Dennis Prager. I don't know what this world would be. I don't know what this country would be. I don't know what our movement would be without Dennis Prager. 
it's entirely likely it wouldn't be. It's entirely likely it wouldn't be. One of the righteous among us. Okay. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. I'm gonna say Doc. That sound What? Uh, no. What? Who, who do we have there? It's either this Doc was or your request. It's it's either Doc or Wayne. Uh, uh, you're just flabbergasted. I'm hitting zeros. This was your request. Who was This was it? one of like the five songs that you said we have oh, that's to keep Maynard. in there. Uh, who, yeah, that is. Yeah. I don't think that was originally Maynard. You could hear Maynard there in the third trumpet. He wasn't the first two trumpets. I, that's him. These are different people? Yeah. Now you're blowing He's got a band. Off. Yeah. Maynard, yes. Yes. Maynard and in the band are other trumpet players yeah. that he likes to feature because it gives you a chance to... Give young young musicians a, an opportunity, and it we gives like you, giving young people opportunities. He was very good at the that. Seth Leibson show. Yeah, we do that here, <laughs> and uh, it gives you a chance to rest your embouchure too. <laughs> also, also important. That's why trumpet players, when they do concerts, like to talk a little bit. Between I didn't know songs. that was a thing, huh? I didn't know that was a like that, a thing to rest your embouchure a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some do more than others, but yeah, it's 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 a very taxing instrument to play it's probably the toughest instrument to play the demand it takes off your your uh your facial muscles and facial muscles and chest and lungs mostly lungs not chest yeah but um yeah no it's 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 exhausting and tiresome it's a muscle it's if you want to talk about the demand on one's face just look at uh, dizzy gillespie before and after that i think that was a disease oh never mind yeah i think that was a condition of some kind to check me out on that because he didn't blow he didn't play in any way that 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 matched that facial it was some condition he had it was not um if you ever heard dizzy play he doesn't that those those cheeks were were distended regardless of whether he was playing a low c or a high c I'm not even sure if I can pronounce this. Yeah, okay, but I'm right. It was a condition. Yes, it yeah. was uh, a disease. Yes. So there will be a debate tomorrow night. We were just talking about There's Doug. A debate. Y- y- yes. Why hasn't this been? And why are they always on Wednesdays? Are the Republicans ever going to let me go to dance? Well, the good the good news is Doug Burgum has dropped out. We were well, just that's, quoting that's him the news, other day, yeah. weren't we? With Pete George Peterson. Will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. George Will column on him. Yeah. Um, people were saying, you know, all the. All the um, all the wasted money he put into his campaign and Doug Burgum, and that that's certainly to be discussed. But more bothersome to me is the time suck and the waste of someone who knows they have no shot and goes on these ego trips of running for president. It's true of every political issue. That debate tomorrow night, David, is. Um, it's going to be Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and um, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. And it's going to be on uh, News Nation, which is the network that Allie Bradley, mm-hmm. who we had on mm-hmm. last Thursday, works for when she was covering the Lukeville border. And it's going to be moderated by Elizabeth Vargas. Do you remember her from ABC? ABC. She's through 2020. Yeah. 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 Megan Kelly. Remember her? Mm-hmm. And Eliana Johnson, who is the editor of the Free Beacon and the daughter of Scott Johnson from the Powerline blog. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, we quote Scott Johnson. Scott, I've known Scott. How long have I known Scott? Since the moment Powerline was on the scene. Since at least, yeah, at least 03, 04. At least since the Dan Rather story. That's when we got to know them really well. We got to know them really well. We were, yeah. So that'll be an interesting, um, that'll be an interesting debate. There's a lot of other news today. Christopher Ray. College presidents talking about anti-Semitism and not condemning genocide. This is incredible. Listen to this. This is this is really quite incredible. Do I have this audio? I think I do. I hope I do. Did I lose it? I might have lost it. I had it and I lost it. Or did I? I had a, I had audio of the president of MIT saying that anti-Semitism has to be understood in context. I've never, ever heard anyone say anything like that before in my life, much less a college president. This was under questioning from uh, uh, Elise Stefanik at the House Education Committee. But equally pregnant was the testimony of the director of the FBI, Christopher Ray, today, talking about the threats that are um, facing us. Let me get you Christopher Ray. He's being questioned by Lindsey Graham. Let's see if I can get this here. Okay. All right. Can't say any better than that. Uh, who's driving all these problems? Let's start with Iran. What is Iran trying to do to America? So Iran, which is, of course, the world's biggest state sponsor of terrorism, let's start there. Um, Iran, just in the last couple of years, if you want to bring it home here to the homeland, in the last couple of years, Iran has tried to assassinate a former U.S. national security advisor on U.S. soil, has tried to kidnap <laughs> and then try to kill a journalist, American journalist and human rights activist, right smack in the middle of New York City, has conducted a cyber attack on a children's hospital in New England. And for extra credit, as Director Ratcliffe and I announced in the fall of 2020, tried to interfere in the last presidential election. So I'm, that's just a start. So if that's not enough Other to than convince that, people. They, they've been pretty good to work with, right? <laughs> OK, let's look at, uh, you said 80, we found enough fentanyl to kill 80% of American people? And that's just in the last two years. Okay, do you think we missed some fentanyl? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what role does China play in the fentanyl problems America has? Well, the, I'd start with uh, China supplies most of the precursors uh, to the cartels in Mexico, which then leads to the fentanyl that comes here. Uh, and that's been talked about a fair amount, and it's a huge problem. But in addition to that, China is also responsible for an awful lot of the pill presses, manufacturing of the pill presses, which, of course, are also used. And in addition to that, a lot of people don't know this, but China is also responsible for an awful lot of the precursors for the meth that's manufactured south of the border as well. Do you see that getting better? I do not. Let's talk about Russia. What are they up to? Well, besides their unconscionable aggression in Ukraine, uh, Russia has one of the uh, most advanced, most widespread uh, cyber 
offensive cyber programs in the world. Uh, they have invested in it very heavily uh, and have used it in different ways against us and our allies. Uh, they have intelligence officers here in the United States, uh, too many. Uh, by This is all in response to Christopher Wray testifying to the Senate today saying there are blinking red lights everywhere. Blinking red lights everywhere. He just went through Iran. He just went through China. He just went through Russia. And he goes through more. Goes through a lot more. Blinking red lights anywhere. Aren't you glad we have a president who's got this uh, all, you know, under control? Welcome back to the Seth Le- Welcome back to the Seth Leapson show. Do you trust this economy? How about a secure investment that actually helps people? With Y Refi, you can get that. And you can also earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You're in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you'll get your monthly statement. No surprises. This is a secure collateralized portfolio. Maybe a better option for you than where you have your money now. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. 888-YREFI24. Folks all over the country are earning a high fixed rate of return with Y-REFI, and they don't care about what happens with the stock market or the Fed because it's not correlated to it. And with Y-REFI, you can do well by doing good. Yeah, I think I found the audio. This is uh, President Kornbluth of MIT under questioning from Elise Stefanik. Let me see if we can get this. At MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context. <laughs> chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context. I've just never heard a president or anyone in responsibility say that with a straight face before. You'd think they'd be a little smarter, these PhDs at places called MIT, these three-letter, three-letter things. They can be depending on the context. When calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules. That would be um, investigated of, uh, as harassment if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, it has to be pervasive and severe. I just wonder if, you know, a student at a college or never mind 40 or 100 or 200 students at a college said what they're saying about Jews in Israel about any other minority, or if David Duke were to get 10 people at ASU, if these presidents at ASU would all of a sudden maintain this newfound notion of protecting free speech the way they seem to have been able to over the last two months. It's really quite precious, isn't it, how much they support free speech all of a sudden, isn't it? Really quite precious. Okay, we'll be right back. 